Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Steve Harmison, looking back at the best day of uh, a three-day Ashes series. Uh, it wasn't ever going to get any worse than days one or two for England, was it? Well, no, it didn't. It was actually pretty good. In fact, I reckon England will be sleeping the better tonight, not Australia. And we can all rejoice in that fact. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, looking back at the third day's play in the first test match uh, at the Gabba in Brisbane. And so it came to pass that England played pretty damn well. Uh, Overnight, Australia, 343 for seven, 425 all out in the end, head the last man to go, two quick wickets for Mark Wood uh, for a brilliant 152. It meant that Australia led by 278, 35-minute session uh, of batting for England before the lunch break, which they just about got through to. Uh, Rory Burns overturning an LBW decision from Mitchell Stark in the first over uh, would have given him an unwelcome pair, uh, as opposed to a welcome pair. Uh, but he didn't last uh, too much longer. He was out first over after lunch, a little bit ironic considering he dropped David Warner in the first over of lunch on day two. Uh, Hamid batted pretty well, to be honest with you. A couple of edges just dropping short of the slips, about soft hands and all that, I suppose, uh, until he was undone by a, just a, a delivery down the leg side, which instead of he flicking for four, he gloved it to Alex Carey. 61 for two, Root comes to the crease, him himself on a pair. Uh, Milan uh, just edged short of uh, the wicketkeeper, um, on one and it was all on it was um, it was pressurised cricket Australia with their backs up and they had to tough it out but fair play to Root one chancy stroke in his entire innings to note he's 86 not out at stumps and Darwin Milan looked like he was uh, struggling a little bit certainly slowed down as the innings progressed but again still there 
relying or drawing on his experience, 80 not out, the two putting on over 150 for the third wicket. It means England, remarkably, are within touching distance of Australia's score. 58 behind, two full days to go, pitch flattening out, and uh, a day of rest for uh, some of their injured uh, bowlers as well. So, hey, who knows? All I do know is we've got a game on and there's plenty to discuss. Maybe a little bit of humble pie from myself and Steve Harmison. We shall see. Story of the day. So, Steve Harmison, Joe Root was right to uh, to bat first then, I take it. You know, England, eight wickets in hand, 58 or so behind. They're, they're going to put on 150, 200 minimum. Jack Leach is going to take five wickets and Australia going to get bowled out. Yeah, I, I, I still I believe that when I see it. Um, <laughs> I still yeah, I still think I'll always I'll always stand by the decision that they, they shouldn't have batted first. Still, but I still believe that they should have bowled first. Um, I, I think they batted beautifully today. I thought they again at the end at the start of the day. I was throwing things at the TV, going, "What are you doing?" We let's are, go back. We, let's go back to the start of the day because, yeah. you know. I've lost count of the amount of times I've heard England struggle to bowl out a tail because they don't have someone who could bowl 93 miles an hour. And here we are, 343 for seven with a tail ender. I know he can he can heave a ball to deep mid-wicket, but essentially, and it's Chris Wokes and Ollie Robinson opening up. And I'm like, where's Mark Wood? And then, of course, he does bring him on. He takes the last two wickets to fall. Yeah, and I felt sorry for Ollie Robinson. Ollie Robinson looked as though he had a caravan on his back running to bowl. <laughs> I felt so sorry for that lad. And I tell you what, we're going to have to manage him. We are. We're going to have to manage him. This kid has got a bright future. This kid is a is a proper test match bowler. But the problem is he's only played five test matches. And we've got to, because he's done so well, the, 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 the camera is to play and play and play him. Playing first-class cricket and playing test match cricket is two completely different things. And what I mean by this is mentality, you know, endurance, pressure situations which tire the body. And when you only bowl it at your best, 80, 81 mile an hour, your drop-off is huge if you're not, if you're not like battle-hardened ready and you're not used to being in the battle of 40,000 at the Gabba and playing test match cricket in 40, 35 degrees heat and then have to go back to the well again and again and again, fifth spell into the last year. That's going to come with Ollie Robinson. So we've got to be patient with that. He puts the ball in the right areas. Fantastic. He was The commentators were having a joke. He was bowling one up, you know, 118 kilometres an hour, 120 kilometres an hour, 122 com- kilometres an hour. Um we've got to be patient with, with that. That's going to build up and that's going to get better. So no problem with Ollie Robinson, but Mark Wood should open the ball. And just, you know, first thing this morning, he should have bowled the second over because he bowled the first over last night. He should have been aggressive, which what he was when he came on. Um, and we, we might've had less, less of a partnership between Mitchell Stark and Travis head. But you know, when you come you come from that, you bowl, um, you bowl Australia out for 425. Travis Head has played an absolute, I didn't think he had that in him. He played a gem of an innings, an absolute beauty of an innings. He put England on the back foot. 
he punished over-pitched and short balls. Um, and when the teal was around, he marshaled them brilliantly. He got off strike when he needed to get off strike. And he hit the boundary when he took the needed to take a risk and had a go. Um, it was a, it was in a very, very impressive innings by somebody who averaged 11 playing for Sussex last year. Um, so all in all, when you looked at it, then you're thinking, right, 425, all out. Where are England going to be here? You know, a massive lead, 280, 280 run lead. And you're thinking, well, yeah, the wicket's still probably at its best. It's still got a, it's got a demon in it, but it's still a good wicket to bat on if you can overcome your first 25 balls, 30 balls. Burns, all eyes on, and that heart and the mouth stuff, first up. Second ball, sorry, second ball with the appeal. Um, it was a poor decision for me by Paul Rifle. I thought he got he was played by the emotion. I actually thought the umpires again have had poor games. The technologies had a poor time, um, and he gave it he gave that out. And I thought that was that was on the 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 pair, the first Test match, home conditions. He give it. I, I thought it was a poor poor decision. And yeah, it was it was always going to be high. So yeah, naked eye. I thought Rory Burns was going to be all, all right. But I, what I will say before you jump in is Rory Burns' his balance is, again, a topic of conversation. Whenever he doesn't score any runs, everybody goes on about moving parts, says his technique's poor, he's not out of the coaching manual. It's Rory Burns' technique. He got five He got five years in a row, he got 1,000 runs in first-class cricket to get picked for England. So the kid knows how to score runs. He understands his own game and how to play and construct an innings. But... The one thing I will say about when he got, when that second ball hit him, he's come down to Hamid and he's, he's referred that for going down leg side. It was high. It was, gonna, it was going over the stumps, but he was going down leg side. For me, when he's going like, when he's doing that and he thinks it's going down leg side, his balance is all off. His trigger movement's off. His, his right eye is where his left eye should be, where his head just needs to be a little bit further up. And that, for me, that's what worries me a little bit about Burns because when he gets in that position, his his body shape and his bat angle just comes down in 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 a in a way which is always just going to get him into trouble. Why is he an opener? I don't know. That's my honest thing. He's always been he's he's always been an opener. Um, Two hundred and sixty four innings as an opening batsman. He's take, yeah. And he's taken the first ball in 260. Yeah. Fair play yeah. to Hasim Hamid. He took the pressure off his partner. Good how, luck. How would, that, Whether... how would that conversation have taken place, do you think? We're guessing. I'm guessing, but I reckon that was Hamid. I can only say that was Hamid. I can't, I can't imagine Rory Burns has gone up to Hasim Hamid and said, look, Mara, do, the, do that for me. Because straight away, that, that seed of doubt in the mind, and then that gets back to the coaches, you're going... He's gone yeah. here. He's gone here. I think Hamid's might have just gone up to him and gone, do you know what? I'll take first ball. You just have a look. I'll take first ball. After what's happened, I'll take first ball. You go back to taking first ball at Adelaide. I'll I'll look after you. Good. If that's what does happen, we're only speculating. Good on the young man. Good on yeah. the kid. Um, for looking after, for looking after his partner. Um, and I, I thought from there, I thought the they started quite well. And then all of a sudden. I don't know what shot he was playing. Ball bounced. Yeah, the ball bounced off Cummins. Carey takes the catch. But I don't know what he's trying to play. He's got no, he's trying to 
cut it. I, I don't know. Cut it. <clears throat> but I he was trying know. to cut it, wasn't he? But it was like. But even if but, he had played a straight back shot, in the position he was in, he nicks it because he was in a position. He would have been in the same position as what David Milan was to nick his with a straight back. But this was like, a, it, was a, it wasn't even a horizontal bat. It was a three-quarter. I don't know what I'm trying to do here. I want to cut it. I want to play off the straight back back foot. Uh-oh, it's bounced too late. Bang, I've nicked it. And that is a bit of a scrambled brain. So that worries me a little bit about Burns. Yeah, I totally agree. Because uh, Crickviz posted something saying that the, the ball bounced 20 centimetres higher than every other ball coming to bold in that zone. Um but at the end of the day, even if the ball had been 20 centimetres lower, you, what, I still don't know what he was trying to do. Well, I do. You just explained it. But it was still a strange strange dismissal. When, when you 20 centimetres lower, he chops it onto his stumps. Well, that's what I mean. It's Because it's, so, he, he goes like three quarter. And also, it was, the first o- it was the first over after lunch as well. So again, again maybe, maybe. Again, we go back to England. And this is the small margins. England lose Hamid first over after lunch on day one. Yeah, cards. Rory, Rory Burns, cards. Rory we get Burns, bowled out. Rory Burns drops, Rory Burns drops David drops. Warner yeah. first over after lunch on day two. Oh, totally. And we've seen this from Burns. Yard. We've seen Burns do this before, haven't we? Switches, yeah. switches off before or after a break. But, you know, he didn't look at all comfortable. Uh, Hamid, though, did. Yeah, I thought I, Hamid did. I thought... I thought Hamid was comfortable coming. He had a game plan, basically. He knew what he was trying to do. Um, and it was unfortunate when he was dismissed. He just hit a couple of nice boundaries. He looked like he was getting on top of things. The The ball was losing its shine. The, it was just starting to take a little bit of pressure out of the game. And then he just, you know, it was just an unfortunate dismissal, wasn't it? But Hamid has shown to me that he has got something. In the same way that sometimes players just appear to have it. I mean, Jeffrey Boycott was speaking before the series or, uh, and he wrote a really interesting article and he was saying he feels so sorry for Burns and Hamid to have to face these bowlers on Australian pitches when they've never played in Australia before without any warm-up. He said it's so difficult to change your technique with no build-up. He said when he used to play, he used to get to Australia and have 10 warm-ups before the first test and he would essentially change his technique in those te- in those ten games, because the it, the ball bounces so much more, you know, and you have to change your technique because you can't play like you do in England. And the fact that Hamid has shown that in two innings, okay, he only hit twenty five and twenty seven, but that is that gives him somewhere to go. He looks comfortable. He's got a game plan. He doesn't look flustered. He looks flustered when he's fielding. But he looks like an opener. But he does. He, he's faced a, in the, in this test match. He's faced over 130 balls in the in the two innings. Um, and I've been impressed by him. His hands, I was worried about because yeah. he's got low hands. That's what Boycott he, said as well. And he said yeah. that's something that if he'd had 10 warm up games, he could have maybe changed. But mm-hmm. explain to listen what low hands means. Why is that a problem? Because I remember when Hamid made his debut for England in uh, India, Bangladesh and India. I can't remember if he played in Bangladesh, but definitely India. And one of the things that people were saying is, well, that's a well and good playing like that in India, but you go to Australia or you go where's pace and you can't play like that. And then, of course, he broke his finger, didn't he? Um, yeah, explain, he did. Explain, explain what, what you mean by low hands. 
if I was born at somebody with low hands, I'd be thinking all oh, my Christmases have come at once because I can make the ball bounce on. I could make the ball bounce on anything because the size the size I was and the, the the height I let the ball go. When you look at somebody who's got um, low hands or hard hands, hard hands is somebody that pushes away from their body, away from their front pad, and they go hard at the ball. Ricky Ponton, best player I ever played against, hard hands. You know, you got him in a position where you get the ball moving late, away from off stump, hard hands away from his body, plants his front leg, plays out in front of himself, works for him, and sometimes on good pitches, bang, fall. But little moving, little movement, hard hands, and you think, right, I'm in the game. Inside edge, pad, short leg, if you've got one. Outside edge, court slip, perfect. So that's that's hard hands. Yeah, low hands are the one are people who play relatively late, but want to smother the ball to try and get, you know, try and smother the movement of the ball. So they've got more of a, a bigger stride. They, they do play late, they bet let the ball come to them, but they get out in front of themselves and try and smother the ball and play the ball into the ground. If you can imagine somebody with low hands hitting the middle of the bat, it literally bounces right at their toe and then goes goes off to wherever it needs to go. You, you, somebody with low hands hits the ball into the ground and he hits the ball back into the pitch, either going back towards the bowler or out towards extra cover or, or mid-wicket. The problem with that is if you've got a butt off, you've got a ball that bounces and you're trying to smother the bounce and it just takes off, it's going to flick the glove. Australian pitch is perfect for not uh, the, the perfect to you know get people out who have got low hands. I think Hamid has changed a little bit. I think he's playing with higher hands, but letting the ball come to him a lot more. And he's leaving the ball well because of that. He left the ball brilliantly in the first innings before lunch. And because he's doing that, he's playing with that little bit higher hands so he can get the ball, come to him, come to him, come to him. And then at the last minute, he can take his hands away. And I think he did that very, very well. A bit like Marnus Labashin, I thought he did it well in the first innings. But he was just unlucky. You mentioned the two boundaries, a lovely leg glance, and he leg glances very, very well. Typically Asian, leg glance very, very well. Hits the ball through mid-wicket very, very well. If the ball's full and off stump, he'll hit the ball through square leg as opposed to the offside. Um, but yeah, he, he got strangled down leg side. He was unlucky, I thought. I thought he was unlucky. It's some sometimes you play for that as a bowler. Um, I used to think I used to get a lot of caught down leg sides where batsmen getting across the crease, trying to basically trying to alleviate the, the the short ball and you know get over onto off stump, outside off stump, so they could duck and swear and do that. And I think that's what he's probably doing. He's probably just gone over a little bit too far onto off stump. And instead of the leg glance going down to fine leg, he's just got a little fine glove on it and he's got caught behind. And when he was out, I was thinking, you know what? This could be floodgates opening. This could be... This could be an uphill battle now because England were a long, long way behind. Yeah, they were um, over 200 behind, weren't they? Yeah, 200 How- behind. And oof, I was I was worrying then that we might be finished tonight. You were speaking yesterday about Stokes batting at three. Milan is going to be batting at three now. Yeah. How, how, how <coughs> excuse me, how important do you think is... I mean, you talk about technique and there's a, there's talk about Milan's technique suiting Australian pitches. Did you see that today? And how much of it was his technique? How much of it was because he's a good batsman? Because he is. And how much of it 
was his experience or was it a bit of all three because he he got through he didn't look as fluent as root very few players do but he got through and i imagine he relies on all three aspects of those things and also the fact that let's be honest the pitch did start to flatten out and hazelwood didn't bowl for some unknown reason um and I tell you the bowler I thought he looked most discomforted about from after his first 20, 30 balls was Cameron Green. I don't know if you just, uh, don't know if you agree. There's, yeah, a lot of quest- Cameron- There's a lot of questions in there, by the way. Yeah, I thought Cameron Green bowled really well, but I think he's he's a bit like what Freddie was when Freddie first came into international cricket. If he bowled eight overs, then he didn't bowl for a fortnight. And I think the Australian management team have got to be careful of them. He bowled a beauty to get to get. Joe Root nearly nicked it last ball of the last yeah. ball of the game. I was up. I thought, oh, he's nicked that. I really did. It was a great ball. Um, but David Milan, the reason why I wanted to bat Stokes at three was to get in the series. I didn't want him bowling too much because I didn't want him to go charging in and potentially hurt himself. Um, and I thought, I've got no, and it was nothing against David Milan. My my issue with David Milan is. David Milan will play for the next three years for England, four years for England. He'll average thirty between thirty-two and thirty-six. Um, you can, which, you know, which is what Freddie, uh, it's Freddie, Freudian slip, <laughs> which is what Stokes averages, by the way. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but with Stokes, you've got obviously you've got 160 text text match wickets when he is firing at his best. If he was play, if Fred, if if Stokes hadn't been missing for such a long period of time, 
then his bowling will be a lot better. Then you couldn't bat him three. Comfortable batting five, not a problem at all. But I'm trying to get him into the series and in a way take pressure off his bowling by just playing as an out-and-out batsman. And that's why I was saying I'd have batted him at number three. Um, I think he's got a better t- defensive technique than Milan. Um, I really do. Uh, but the one thing about Milan, you know, I said he, he, play, he could play for the next four years, average around about 35. Um, which is pretty you know, good. Which is not bad, but it's not. No, it I mean, but if you want to be, if you want to be the best team in the world, John, if you want to be the best team in the world, you've got to have more than one player averaging over 40. You've yeah. got to. Every, yeah, yeah, every yeah. I understand, I understand got, that. Every team but, in the world has got players. But 30, that's the, the goal. In this today's day and age, I'll take 35 right now. If who, England's who one, averages, two, three, yeah. Who averages 35? If, if England's one, two, three in the recent past, I'd take 135. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, 135. You're right, I'd take 135. But 30, <laughs> 35 runs, I would, I would take... The thing that I like about David Milan and always liked about David Milan is his is his, te- his uh, temperament. I think his temperament is very very good in a way which he doesn't get flustered. If you're batting behind him, you know, Nasser Hussein batted Nasser Hussein batted number three for England. I tell you what, it's a good job Grabe Thorpe was as laid back as he was because he bats <laughs> number four. Nasser Hussein looks like getting out every ball with the way he's you know, curtain railer and squaring up and stuff like that. Never get that with Milan. You know, I never get that with Milan. He, his technique side on. Um, that's why it was disappointing that he nicked the one he nicked. He could have left in the in, in the first innings. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't saying Stokes has got a bat three because Milan's not very good. I just thought my best batting unit would be with Besto in it over over Milan. It, but Besto kind of bat at number three. He's got a bat at number six or five down the bottom of the order. But Milan showed today what England need. They need somebody who is going to nullify the Australian bowlers with calmness, with experience, like you said before. But also, I thought he counterpunched very, very well. I thought he played Nathan Lyon brilliantly. He never let him settle. He came down the wicket, hit him for one, into sort of, you know, mid-wicket, extra cover, and then when he needed to come down the wicket and hit a little bit harder, he did. And then that made Nathan Lyon ball short, caught him. Yeah, and then yeah, he got a couple of sweep shots away. I thought he played Lyon. I reckon he played Lyon as good as anybody's played Lyon in, in recent time. Yeah, this is a guy who needs one wicket to be the third person to take 400 test match wickets I know, for Australia. I, I heard the commentators mention that once or a million million times today. Yeah, a million times. God yeah. knows. I don't know. God knows what they are going to talk about when he finally does take that wicket. I mean, seriously. Well, they'll talk about something because they never stop. It's just relentless, <laughs> um, and they do talk about things that are. Uh, uh, to be honest, I, I must admit, I nearly fell asleep middle of the afternoon. It was. <laughs> it's just. I keep going back to that first ball. Yeah, yeah. He's got him. Yeah, well done. Bowled him in swinger. And it was the biggest away swinger that Mitchell Stark will ever bowl towards Robbie Burns. And then you've shown three replays, shown three replays. Mark Wars had another goal. Yeah, well done. What a great in-swinger that was. No, he's left-handed. And that just, and to be fair, it sups their commentary up, as well as Shane Warne today. Completely obliterating Hobart, oh, no. who is potentially going to be number five, test match number five, because he wants it back at the MCG so he can have a party again. So... 
Look, it's huh? it, it's been uh, I, I've been working on the TV and I've enjoyed it every minute of it. Sitting next to one of the greatest players that I've ever played cricket for England and talking about picking his brain. It was great this morning. We talked about the Test match in 2010-11, England 221 behind, when Sir Alistair Cook and Andrew Strauss walks out. Andrew okay. Strauss on a pair. Yeah, Andrew Strauss on a pair. Cook gets Given a double hundred. Yeah. Given he LBW yeah. on the uh, the evening before day four, four Hilfenhaus, House, yeah. I think, and he overturned it. A bit like Rory yeah. Burns today. A bit like Rory Burns, yeah. So there's a lot of similarities. Who's going to do the Alistair Cook? Who's going to get the double 100? That's what we were saying this morning. Is it going to be the one that we keep going back to the well and saying he's going to bail us out again, Joe Root? Well, I'll tell you what, it was a, it was a fantastic innings. His balance was brilliant. He's, he's weight transfer back into ball, which has got him into a lot of trouble um, in Australia. And it did in the first innings. That was spot on again. And he hit a ball down the ground. And I had my, and honestly, I had my mouth open. And I was like, oh, just don't finish today. Really? Can we, can we just start, start the next day's play now? Because you, you could have been on all night and I don't think they would have gotten Joe Root out. Just the break of play is the only thing that probably saved Australia from Joe getting a massive score. Because if he had another two hours, I, I think he would have gotten to about 100, 140, 150. And that's what England need. Um, I thought I thought he was I thought he was excellent again. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that because he was phenomenal, wasn't he? Came in on a pair, and you know I I can't really think of a I can't really think of a time in his innings when he looked under pressure. We know that he likes to score, he likes to get the bat on the ball, um, but he just dealt with everything. You know, Cummins brought himself on immediately. Fine, you know we know how proficient he is against spin. I was surprised that Taser would bowl at him more. That that was the one thing that really really surprised me. I, I couldn't really quite work that one out. I just thought, oh maybe he's got a bit of a bug. But you're saying Travis Head spoke to BT and and was like, no no, that's but that was strange. I mean, what do you think of we'll talk about Root again? But Cummins' captaincy today, you know he he's. Sometimes it comes too easy, doesn't it? Day one or day two, but day three, he'll be worried tonight. I think he'll be worried tonight. I think the Australian, uh, he'll be concerned, not worried. But I think he'll be more worried about where his team are potentially are from a case of um, mind space in a, in a way that how, how bad is David Warner? David Warner, I'd want David Warner on the pitch. He spent the whole day off with a with a busted ribs. He said it's not broken, but it's sore. Yeah, that could be sore for, for quite a while after he got whacked in the ribs off, off Mark Wood. Didn't bowl Hazelwood. Is there a reason why Hazelwood hasn't bowled? Yeah. Was it just circumstance or has he got an injury? That would concern me a lot if I was in the Australian camp. So there's two things to be concerned about. He brings himself on against Joe Root. But then two or three overs later, he brings straight into the attack Nathan Lyon. You can give me any spinner in the world at this minute in time to bowl at Joe Root, and I, I, I think the outcome will be the same. You know, he'll 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 take you to town. He'll take you to task. You know, he's he's got he got a big hundred in Chennai. He's got hundreds for fun. He's got two hundreds in 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 Sri Lanka. 
You know, a bowl and spin on a whip pitch that's turning a little bit. I don't think it's going to worry Joe Root too much. And then you've got Mitchell Stark, who bowled first ball, unbelievable first ball of the first innings, and bowled reasonably well in the first innings. But he's all over. He's going all over the park in in this this inning so far. He's gone for sixty, and he dragged that back a bit at the end there. So and he was fortunate to get that wicket of of uh, Hamid of Hamid. Yeah, exactly. So Cummins has got a lot on his plate and a lot on his shoulders. And I think if England can get into a position where if England are fifty, if England are effectively fifty for three by yeah mid afternoon, mid morning tomorrow. With Butler in the shed, I think that we'll let's see what Pat Cummins has got there as a captain. Let's see what Australia are there as a team. Because all of a sudden, with the ball is still relatively new. And if tired bowlers don't put the ball in the right place and have a hard ball against Stokes, Pope and Butler, and all of a sudden that 50 could turn into 150 very, very quickly. And I think if England can get a lead of 150, 180, I think there's a game on and I think England will fancy their chances, um, especially with Warner if he's struggling. Um, Harris doesn't really look as though he's... You, you're not he's... fearful of Harris, are you? No, you're not. You're not. And you know, if you can get Labashan and, and, and Smith in early, my only concern would be um, how much the first innings took out of the England bowlers and where's Jack Leach's head at at this moment in time having bowled 12 overs for 100. Which is probably the reason why Winvis have got an England win at 8%. Yeah. Or 7%, because England are just going to bat. You don't, you do not fight your way back from 147 all out. And no, you know, you will, they'll just bat. A bowl, you won't bowl out no. for a, for a, for a game on. For you a won't game declare. on a neutral, they're you not, won't bowl out. They're not no. going to declare, basically. They'll just, you, they'll bat too long. You don't you you lose the ashes you lose the ashes when you when you don't win in Brisbane. You've got a great chance of winning the ashes if you come out of Brisbane and it's still either nil nil or you know, well, there's only one team in what in the last however many years come out of Brisbane with a victory. So coming out of there, going to pink ball with still a drawn series is the best outcome that England really should be looking for. What is going to happen tomorrow? So what's going to happen on day four then, Harmy? England bat and keep batting. I think it's, it's if, again, if you can get them into their third and fourth spell of the day, Hazelwood, depending on how his body is, Stark um, and Cummins. You know, what, do you, Lyon, what do you think though? I mean, we know, we know how England need, need to play, but what do you think is going to happen on day four? I think England will have a good day. I think England will have a good day. I think Stokes will have a good day. I think Pope will have a good day and set it up. Having watched Butler in the first innings, possibly for this moment of his 56th test match could be his moment to really not show, not to stand up on the stage, but to have the big, meaningful contribution to a, a potential win. That is, you know, means something. So, so Andrew, uh, so Alistair Cook said when he got that double hundred, he was talked about this morning. He said that was the first time I really felt as though I had done something meaningful in an England shirt. 
and that was four four years after he had um, like proper meaningful uh, away from home and um, and a Test match, you know, saving the Test match, especially at the Gabba. I think Josh Butler might that this might be his moment if he comes and gets a special seventy or eighty. England might might have a chance to put themselves in a position to, if they do get bowled out, a chance to have enough runs on the board to go and win. I think England will have a good day tomorrow um, and really put Australia under pressure. I can see them, hopefully, um, taking the game into day five. And we all know what happens when you play Australia. If you can stay toe-to-toe with them till the right end of the game, you've got a good chance of breaking them. And hopefully, they can, they can break them. Because what I wanted to see this morning was England stand up and be counted after that first innings because if they got bowled out for, for in less than 50 overs, I, I would have predicted that this series would end very... The, the Ashes would end very, very quickly. But after what's just happened today, uh, there's a fight on. Joe Root said so many times, my team's got character. Uh, I think they showed it today, both with ball at the start and with bat later on. Goodness, to start the catching there. They dropped another three this morning, didn't they? Yeah. Anyway, we can't. Well, we are going to end on a negative, but certainly we end full of hope, which is not something that we've had at any stage of this test match so far. It feels like this Ashes has been going on for years. Um, so much has happened. It's been brilliant today, anyway. Uh, Harmy, uh, I'll let you go. You're about to appear on Jim White, and uh, you'll be back on the Weekend Sports Breakfast Show tomorrow, which will be Saturday morning, I think. Um, but for now, that's all. Thanks for listening to following on podcast or on uh, following on the Ashes Inquest on TalkSport 2. We'll be back on Saturday, looking back at day four of the first test match at the Gabba. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.